0: I remember going to uh, awards do with Choup mm-hmm. and like it was really glitzy um, and I was offered dress after dress after dress and uh, I suddenly thought no I'm going to go in black jeans and a black jacket that I really really like. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I remember the shock when I walked into this room of all the women were sort of <laughs> yeah. done up to the ninth. Choup was brilliant. She said, You wear what you like, yeah. mum.
1: This is the Gilded Thread podcast. I am Irene O'Brien and I have a long standing obsession with the role of clothing in our lives. We are definitely living in a time when so many of us have the platform to broadcast every minute of our own lives, should we choose. I wanted to hear from those people whose stories are perhaps a little less shared and learn about their lives as recalled through their style memories. Today I am chatting with Rosita Sweetman, one of Ireland's earliest and most important feminists. I was keen to speak with her about what clothes have meant to her
0: through the varied chapters of her life.
1: Rosita Sweetman, thank you so much for joining me on the Gilded Thread. We had a few full starts. <laughs> we
0: did. Well, thank you so much for asking me. Uh,
1: not at all. I was really excited. I was I was just telling you before we came on that um, I had kind of known about Chupi's mom and I'd known about Rosita Sweetman. And I didn't realise they were the same person. Um, but I, in, in recent years, I have figured that out. Um, and I suppose I, it is actually... Um, Probably that I have seen pictures of you from time to time on your daughter Choopy's um Instagram. Um and and I love seeing them because it's often, you know, you, you always look very kind of um so you look so happy to be wearing the clothes you're wearing. Do you know what I mean by oh, that? You look okay. really happy in your skin and so stylish, but um and and, and if there's photos of you and Choopy and, and her daughter, they always just look really beautiful. So I suppose that's why you had you had been in my mind as well. But I also thought it would be so interesting to speak to you because I suppose people will introduce you often as a journalist and an author, which both you are, um, and and a feminist, um, and a feminist of note in this country as well. And and I wondered sometimes, is that kind of... Um, I suppose when I was growing up, people would talk about feminists and, and women's lib was kind of said almost sometimes like, almost like a dirty word by people, obviously, that were not, um, you know, uh, supportive of the cause. Um, and there was this idea that... Um they that feminists couldn't be feminine, do you know what I mean by that
0: it did it did get that label for a while, I think like the, it it got a lot of bad press during the nineties mm-hmm. feminism like it did kind of go into a trough,
1: yeah, and I think yeah, it was obviously then kind of weaponized in that way, you know that, absolutely you yeah, yes. had to be one or the other so i like yeah. I love the idea of speaking to you um as someone that's so clearly enjoys style um, and, and, and then has so much to say and, and has done so much for the feminist movement in Ireland as well. But I suppose I always ask my guests to kind of just take me back first um, to the their kind of earliest memories of style um, and maybe who you were growing up with and, and what you remember
0: about dressing around that time. Um. Well, I, I grew up in a big family um so like, one of the earliest memories is in the summer, I must have only been two or three and getting a dress that was specially made, the a little muslin dress with all sprigs of flowers and little white collar and um, those punched Clark sandals. Oh, yes. You yeah, know, yeah. and the smell of the sandals and the feel of the dress in the summer, you know, and feeling this is something really special. Um But then I went to boarding school and it was absolutely hideous. Like, we were, we literally weren't allowed to roll our sleeves up over our elbows. That was considered unladylike. Like, the oppression of the female and the feminine was, it was it was horrific, really.
1: And starting from such a young age then, if you were going to boarding school early. We, we I mean, were
0: 10, like, yeah. you know, it was ludicrous.
1: And you you had mentioned there that you grew up in a big family. Am I right in saying you're one of nine? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And where did you come?
0: Right in the middle. Oh,
1: did you? Yeah. Okay, okay. I, yeah, I love that idea because then you have all those to look, look up to and kind of follow and see what they're up to. And then the other ones, you can bring them your way, can't you? Yeah. If you, if you choose to. Um. And I I, I saw it said that you're, um, you lived with your mom and dad. And your eight siblings is that correct yeah and yeah. I, I i saw it somewhere that you said that your mom was um quite uh she was a libertarian and um that maybe she 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 wasn't such a fan of um the the religious kind of um code in ireland very much am i right in saying that
0: Mum went to boarding school in england okay but it kind of protected her from the religiosity here you know, I was expelled from school when I was just before my leaving cert. And uh, like I remember being so terrified on the way home. Um, the nuns had kept me in isolation for 24 hours beforehand. Like, it was horrific. And mum was the first person who said to me, did you do it? And I was like, no. And she said, OK. And she just got on the phone and said, take her back. Um, but she, di- she didn't have that bowing down thing to religion.
1: Yeah. So, so that, th-
0: that, that would give you a little bit of breathing space.
1: Because you know. I was interested in that then when, um, b- b- you know, the idea that you would have gone to, I assume, a very Catholic boarding school. Um, yeah. OK, so she was able to kind of, well, how would I say, she was able to live within the... Um, restrictions of let's say the rules of those things but she wasn't scared to push against the boundaries was that
0: that's a very good description yeah um
1: yeah. do you mind telling us why you were expelled
0: um oh god you
1: don't have to <laughs>
0: no it's, it's just it was so ludicrous um the each dormitory had a little cubicle for a nun to sleep in um so we'd all be pup up, up in our beds and then there'd be this little cubicle. And one of the girls found a knot had fallen out in the wood, you oh know, right, there were yeah. wooden slats. And uh then one afternoon she screamed, Come, 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 sister, I can't remember the poor nun's name, um, is washing. So of course about eight of us charged for the knot, and uh next thing the door flew open the nun realized there was a kerfuffle she ran. she was very young it was probably horrific for her yeah and uh, next thing one of the big nuns came barreling in rosie sweetman even though i hadn't organized it or i wasn't at the whole um and i was and of course nobody else said anything it was like um being in a dictatorship you didn't say actually it was me you know, you just let whoever was getting the the crack to take get the it. Yeah, take the fall. And what age so were you? I was seventeen.
1: Seventeen, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it was just pre-leave insert. Yeah. So when when you came back to your mom at that stage, then you were you were nervous about it. You were nervous about going going back to to see what her reaction would be. I suppose because you wouldn't have communicated with your
0: parents before you got home, would you? Were you just sent back? I wasn't allowed. Talk to anybody. I wasn't allowed to ring them. Like the nuns laid it on with the trial. You know, mm. your mum and dad have sacrificed so much. Like, I remember coming home in the bockety old train from Ross Gray and just thinking, I'll throw myself out. You know, I'll like like I'll kill myself.
1: Oh, Rosita,
0: that uh, that you were so that was, uh, like mum and dad did. Like once they said, okay, she hasn't done it. It was grand. Okay, it's it was because
1: th- you thought they'd believe you. They'd believe they would believe the nuns over you, or that you had brought that shame that the nuns had said. Yeah, to
0: you. the nuns were so dark. Yeah, you know that that darkness kind of came in. Yeah, yeah. Look like, oh at
1: God, you poor thing. I that's know a, such a young age and and having been away from your family for so long. I, I imagine such extended periods. So, but let's say um, boarding
0: school is a terrible idea.
1: <laughs> really? Well, that's interesting though that your mom went as well. So had she had yeah. a very different experience from you in boarding school?
0: Um. I think she did, like she had a pretty hard time because she was, um, she said she was always had to fight, you know, because they said, oh, you're Irish, you know, you keep pigs in the kitchen and coal in the bath. But mum was pretty feisty. Like Yeah, yeah. And And,
1: um, did you know that growing up, did you know that she was kind of, obviously you would talk about that one incident, but that's later in your teens. But when you were younger, did you kind of know that she had that bit of feistiness about her?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And was it something you admired? Or were you a little bit scared of it? Both, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the best that's way to be, right. I think, <laughs> when
1: it's something to do with a mom, isn't it? But let's go back a little bit again um, to not the boarding school and, the, <laughs> and not being able to roll up your sleeves. But that kind of idea, you know, I find it so interesting when you're talking about that dress and you're able to recall the textures and you're able to recall the smells. And what was it, do you think about, do you think that that's your earliest memory of clothing or do you think that it was um, is, uh, very special that you were getting this? Was it new to you? Because as a, as as a fa- in a family of nine, I imagine there was a lot of sharing of clothes and handing down of clothes.
0: Um, I think it was just the whole thing of it being new, being summer. Mm. Um, it's it's the earliest memory of clothes, yes, and, yeah, and yeah, feeling yeah. really special, like I'm in this dress, so I'm special. Yeah. I'm in these shoes, so I'm special. Yeah,
1: oh, it's such a nice feeling. And I remember that when I was younger. And really, like, and I see it sometimes in, in children now when you put a new, new pair of shoes. Even if they can't talk, they're kind of clinking their ankles to you, I aren't know. They? <laughs> You know, they're like, they're really chuffed to have them on. Um,
0: you see it with Aya, yeah. Like it, I said to her yesterday, that's the most gorgeous little jumper. And she just plashed herself. Oh, like yeah. It's so, and, and Aya's yeah. your
1: um, granddaughter who is... Um, to, coming up on two.
0: Two next month.
1: Coming up on two next yeah. month. So gorgeous. Um, and when you were, um was your mom staying at home with you all when you were younger? Your dad was yeah. going to work. Yeah, And yes. what was she wearing day to day, do you remember? Or do you remember what her relationship with, with um, clothing and dressing was?
0: Um, my relationship with mum and sort of family thing kind of split into... Two, one where there was happiness everyone was together and then the sister younger than me died oh i'm so sorry and uh, it was like everything went into winter mm. and mum like for years didn't care what she wore i think she went into profound depression yeah and there was there wasn't counseling or support or you know yeah yeah there was I'm nothing so sorry really to hear that you know. and
1: um you know it is um I I think you can see that with people that you know when they're in pain as well that's it's uh the idea of having having to think about what they would put on them you know it's 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 it's, it's just that they want something to well they have to wear something you know that's just and that's just um that's just the day-to-day struggle of even getting dressed I'm sure when that when that terrible pain and what age were you at that age Rosita?
0: Um we would have been about ten ten yeah.
1: yeah yeah i lost my sister when i was nine so Aww. that's interesting when you talk about the um the winter things going to winter i very yeah. much yeah that very much yeah. resonates with me and um um when you're were there were there um girls or boys ahead of you
0: um the family is funny my brother is the eldest and then there were eight girls
1: oh really yeah. <laughs> oh really yeah oh that's fascinating we'll have yeah that's that's so fascinating because I'm I'm um I'm and, and, and I'm a brother and then there were four girls I, you're winning um but I, I'm sure that thing he was constantly thinking oh another girl yeah. <laughs> you know coming along there and did you admire any of your older sister's style or were you interested in maybe kind of trying to get some of their clothes to wear
0: um there was lots of fighting over clothes yeah, yeah. <laughs> particularly as we became teenagers and yeah yeah and everyone got more and more into their gear
1: and where would you have been getting your clothes when you were a teenager because you were in boarding school so what was informing your taste at that time
0: um I, I looked back at a diary from when I was 11 I think and it just said summer mum and dad got me a pair of black jeans and that was like the summer <laughs> that, that was you the know, whole
1: entry for the summer <laughs> there weren't
0: you didn't have loads of clothes yeah. in the way we do now yeah you know?
1: but you know if that's it, why I love having these conversations because I feel like um most of the people that I'm speaking to as well they're able to recall different things that they wore at different times and and how the clothes made them feel because there wasn't an abundance, you know, and everything you got was um, either for an occasion or it was an occasion itself. The fact yeah. that you were, you know, getting that kind yeah. of that piece of clothing. Um, so is there was there any sister in particular who was kind of good at having nice gear that you would have liked? OK, if I could if I could find her pieces, that's that's what I'd be interested in.
0: Um the sister just older. Yeah. um She was she had done ballet and um she became a physiotherapist and she'd really good sense of style, you know, like, um, so yeah, I always loved her things.
1: Yeah. And where, um, I was, I, I said to you earlier and then I didn't let you answer, but, um, yeah, what was kind of, um, informing your taste or where, when you were looking to buy clothes, where were you going?
0: Um, there was the jeans place down <laughs> in Middle Abbey Street, oh, was yeah. it? The, uh, the Levi shop. Yes. Um, but I can't really, like, yeah, it it was really after I left school that I really got into clothes. Yeah,
1: yeah well, it would have been, really, I yeah. suppose, if you were, because if you were in boarding school as well, I mean, how often were you coming home from boarding school?
0: Well, you had the summer holidays. Yeah. Um, and then, but then... Small for Christmas and small for Easter, okay.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so okay, so you'd be taking your holidays and then you'd be coming home. And, and in one summer, we know you got the black jeans, <laughs> and then after that, I suppose, were you coming into your own in every which way once you left boarding school? Did it feel like a, a um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but did it feel like any sort of kind of release to, to oh be out of there? Oh my
0: god, a hundred thousand percent, yeah. Like, I think we all went a bit mad really because you know? yeah. there was such repression you know and then you came out into the world and it was the 60s and everything you know clothes were exploding music fashion
1: yeah 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 and where Uh, did you stay in Dublin at that stage
0: um I I sort of went backwards and forwards between Dublin and London Mm -hmm. so um like I remember going to Bieber's in London and uh seeing an interview that night with um Barbara Hulans- Hulansky. Oh, yes. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who started Beep. Yeah. And she was saying, um, girls need a place of make-believe where they can develop their personalities. I was thinking, wow. <laughs> that seemed the most incredible thing. Yeah. You know, because the nuns would always say the opposite. You know, they used to say, self-love is no love. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. You know, like everything yeah. was squished yeah. down. Like they weren't all evil, but yeah. it was it was very anti-female mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. even though they were all female yeah. we were all female like it was a hot house of femaleness yeah but no e- expression of that expression wasn't exactly encouraged. what
1: I was just that's the word I was just about to say I I, I I was I was just thinking that was it from from not being allowed to express anything to go into this other country which was so close but yet so far away in terms yeah. of what they were suggesting you know you should be kind of celebrating and getting involved in at that age as well and um, because in Beba um it, like it wasn't just the clothes was it there was a culture there and it was music and it was hanging
0: out and um yeah, what are absolutely. your memories of there um it was like walking into heaven really know, like every you know everything makeup counters where you could try on things you know knee-high Canvas boots in purple. Yeah. You know, felt hats. Um, And the music, I suppose, of course. Fantastic music. Yeah. Loads of, you know, beautiful people.
1: Yeah. I kind of want to go there now. (laughs) Because I do know, um, uh, even like kind of going into even Topshop on Oxford Street, like in the 90s. I remember they they kind of, I suppose when we were talking about now, they were trying to create that, and Topshop was obviously, uh, you know, humongous and over very many floors. But there was that idea that like, you kind of go to hang out there. And yeah. I, was, I was inspired watching... The other girls and guys walking in as anything on the rails, yeah, you know. Yeah, so it was just totally. that excitement and kind of the giddiness of oh, I want to do this and 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 I want to stay here, but I also want to go home because I want to put these two things together. <laughs> and you know, kind of, um, I love that idea of inspiration and 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 kind of that giddiness as well. Um, and around that time, then would you say that there is any? Well, around that time or any time you can think of, is there any outfit that you associate maybe with kind of coming of age?
0: Um those mirror specs you know huge mirror specs yeah ironed hair yeah <laughs> um a suede jacket a mini skirt about that length and uh ha- knee-high boots you know and thinking yes i am the absolute bomb
1: <laughs> i love that i love that and can't you really as well um you can recall that feeling can't yeah, you of how good yeah. you would feel in something and do you think what is it about that outfit in particular is it that When you picture yourself at that time, that's what you picture yourself in? Or is it that you remember how you put it together or where you got it?
0: Um, It was, I suppose it was the feeling of the power of your sexuality, Mm -hmm. really what it was about, Mm -hmm. you know, look at this. Yeah, yeah. And so did you get that outfit in London? Um, I got it. um, No, actually, I I think I got it in Dublin. Okay. And no one,
1: so... 'Cause I'm trying to I'm kinda of thinking to myself, okay, you were going to fourteen school and you were wearing that uniform and soon you were wearing clothes like this. Was it a time where everyone was wearing those clothes? So people were kind of you know, that was the style, or were people kinda of looking at you thinking, What is she wearing? I can't believe the size of her skirt.
0: Um Yeah, Dad used to say, Is that a pelmet you're wearing or a skirt? <laughs> we used to um I suppose there were places where um people who dressed the same sort of who were embracing the 60s, if you like, would would hang out, you know, little boutiques and things. And where
1: were your favourite places to hang out around that time then in Dublin?
0: Um, I'm trying to think of the name of some of the boutiques and I can't. Elizabeth's was that one?
1: Was Where's Dandelion it? Market around at that Dandelion, time? Dandelion, of yeah, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Dandelion. I was love watching it? footage from there as well, and everyone was, uh, yeah, everyone just looked fabulous. I just love, and I think as well, probably because the last two years there have been so much, so fewer um, gatherings too. That just that idea of kind of being in a space together. But I feel like um, even over the last few years, I used to love going to maybe vintage markets here, or and 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 and. and the
0: markets were so fab. They were they? fabulous, you know. Yeah. And
1: um, I wish there were more of them now, but I know people put them on. There's so much work for people to put them on. You know, yeah
0: it's just um, yeah I can imagine and there's
1: just different competition now with all kind of um online as well
0: you and mentioned Dublin city council are so appalling I know the way know. they just keep closing them down closing Look, them
1: down I know I know we need to all come together and put on something brilliant yeah because the I mean the biggest loss is that the flea market and all yeah, the different markets that, so that, that fam- those organizers put on I mean I yeah. just loved that um the energy yeah you know, the energy there yeah you're right it was really special um I'd love to I'd love to find somewhere great for for more of them you were mentioning your um dad there and uh, about him asking my dad the dad jokes obviously don't evolve my dad used to say are you getting this second half next christmas when when referring to my skirt um
0: but they're obviously in terror uh, can just imagine
1: as well like i'm sure one day they're like Oh, there she is, reading Bunty. And, yeah. and there there she is. I'm like, what? I mean, I'm, I remember when my dad first saw the problem pages in Just 17. I thought if he made it through, like, breathing, I mean, he was, yeah, he was not impressed. Um, you, but you mentioned your dad there. And um, he, am I right in saying he was a barrister and later a judge?
0: Yeah, he was. And
1: so was he very, um, uh, d- did the way he presented himself matter a lot to him? Can you remember his clothing?
0: Um I think it did, yeah. Um he look he always dressed really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he always had really nice clothes, you know. Mm-hmm. we'd um usually go over to Connemara or West Cork in the summer and dad would always find a local weaver or tailor, you know, and have a suit made.
1: Oh lovely. Yeah. When he was there, oh yeah. fabulous. Yes. Yes, yeah, isn't yeah. That
0: gorgeous? You know, and it it's sort of at the time was sort of it seemed oh yeah that's what dad is doing but now it seems wow it's really cool
1: yeah oh it's so cool <clears <clears isn't you know it? or and
0: a boning jacket or yeah yeah
1: yeah because we um a couple of people i've I've spoken to for different articles over the last little while um they would speak about their uh either their mom or their dad having having things made and you know when someone says that now it almost sounds like really extravagant or something Yeah. But that's the way it was and that is i feel like why everyone um looked so put together when they wore something like that you know a suit because it was literally tailored to them. yeah it makes sense um and i often think that with you well know, you my could own go into
0: or, a little shop in on the main street in galway you know and say okay i like that will you make it up for me yeah you know, like, yeah 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 it was good
1: that is that's very sweet. and particularly connemara the talent in connemara of people yeah. you know in that in the textiles um in the textiles uh, industry and the family business. And mm-hmm. and all of those skills handed down generation to generation, which I love as well. Um, you also mentioned earlier, you were talking about, um, uh, well, or maybe I brought it up, you are talking about Chupi, and I know um, your son Luke as well. And and, and I know um, I have, uh, this is just a parenting question now, I'm taking advantage <laughs> of you while you're here. But I have um, two little boys and I always think to myself, you know, how will I... How would I um, help them kind of uh, celebrate their creativity and harness that without being um, too instructive? You know, do you know what I mean yeah. by that? I try to get the balance right. And and you know, if if you meet someone like you, and then you know, you see that that your children are clearly um, so creative. And um, but am I right in saying that you homeschooled them?
0: I did. You did yes. homeschool them. Yeah. And
1: was that um, a direct um? Reaction, for want of a better word, uh, from you being in boarding school? Or was it that you just had different ambitions for them than you thought could be satisfied within the mainstream schooling system?
0: Both, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly um, had a horror of um, them being... Like, I remember the first day Joop went to school and she was dying to go and getting her all dressed up and everything. And she came back with the house and it was like... um, Square roof, four windows. Thank you so much. Uh smoke coming out. And like up to then she'd been doing the most incredible painting. You know, and suddenly it was just squished down into this little sort of, you know, Barry and Anne.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting that it was an actual
0: illustration of Yeah. And it's sort of, oh
1: and so that was when she was like four or five.
0: Yeah. But she stage, did go to school until she was nine or ten okay but Luke never really we couldn't stand it
1: mm-hmm. and just, did you was that daunting I'm not I'm not going to be able to homeschool I'm not clever enough or patient enough to homeschool my two boys so um but um but I do but I am conscious of that of what they're exposed to because we're sponges aren't we you know yeah so, um so trying to kind of get that balance right but what was it um that you felt would well, I well you've kind of answered it. I, I sorry, I'll start again. Hmm? What was it about homeschooling? What what were the specific things that you were like? I I want them to know this, and I don't believe they're
0: going to learn this in school. Um. Well, there were two things that really uh, pushed me towards it. One was um, Maura Malarney who wrote an amazing book years and years ago. Anything school can do, you can do better.
1: Oh, okay. And
0: she and her husband brought up. I think it was eight children, on a, in a little cottage up in the side of the mountains, in Wicklow, and like they ended up speaking Russian and Greek and you know advanced wow. mathematics, but uh, I ju- that phrase really stuck in my head. It's a go- yeah yeah. And as
1: you said that, I was like wow. That's because you love beautiful. your
0: children, you're one to one with them, you know, as opposed to putting them in with thirty children, you know, with somebody who. Um, like, the teachers in our little local school in Hollywood were really, really good, but I just thought, um, yeah, no, it, it was the thing of the individuality, mm-hmm. and they were both strong individuals, you know, mm-hmm. and also, yeah, definitely my own experience in school. Mm-hmm. I knew I did not want to send them to boarding school. Yeah. But also just you went the other extreme yeah <laughs> yes. okay. total yeah. other
1: extreme um and how did you find that day to day did you did you was there any guidance about homeschooling was that very unusual in ireland or, or did you find that actually there were a lot of families doing it
0: there are a small number of families doing it um but actually the other thing was i i had friends who lived sort of the other side of the mountain from us and they had six children and they were homeschooling like really radical homeschooling you didn't have any curriculum um you just if the child is sort of interested in drawing you just get them paper mm-hmm. you know they um whereas we tube really wanted structure mm-hmm. she wanted to do like we went into eason's one day and she looked at the books for the junior cert and she's just flicking through them she said i think i could do that mum and uh, so we found one school in ireland that would take children that home school and let them sit their exams the
1: exams only one in ireland wow that's yeah, incredible isn't it I'd yeah. say it's, uh, would you say it's quite different now would you say that there's more so because even even when i'm thinking about it the social networks that you'd be able to f- identify and find and get um, maybe support or share tips now would be so different from. Yeah. Um, what was this? The eighties. And
0: um, uh, yeah, 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 eighties and nineties.
1: Yeah. And so, so on a practical level, day to day, would you say, okay, we're sitting down from this time to this time?
0: Um, Chup would say that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Luke she was would headmistress <laughs> to her own school. <laughs> Absolutely. Chup <laughs> would take out her maths books at half eight, like, and said, "No, I'm enjoying this, mum." I'd say relax, you. You know, i mum enjoyed it. <laughs> oh my God, I love that.
1: That's so Whereas funny. Luke
0: would be, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. Um, he, I found um the boy girl thing so completely different. Yeah. Like Luke was really wanted to history. You couldn't give him enough. Yeah. History, um, and it was interesting. Like you, you know, it's not. You don't have to be clever. You really are following them. Yeah, You know, because he'd uh, get out the history books and then, you know, he'd whiz through the, whatever was on the the year for school. And then we'd watch films, go to exhibitions, go to a castle. You know, we'd follow his interest. Yeah,
1: yeah. So,
0: look, I, I learned loads myself. Yeah. I kind of redid my own education in yeah. a way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know, I can imagine that actually, because um, even as you're speaking, I'm thinking of so many people who were um you know when everyone was locked down and they were in the pandemic trying to get yes. school and eventually they said i'm not doing this anymore i'm let's do drawing let's there were fewer places you yes. can go but let's watch this thing together thing together and discuss it let's have a nature walk and they said it was things that they hadn't done and that sometimes it reignited something in them and actually yeah. they thought you know
0: that's that's totally it yeah, yeah
1: yeah because i suppose we um and 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 uh giving yourself permission as well isn't yeah, it yeah you know totally. to, to 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 choose and um, what way you're going to learn in that way as well um, and
0: how how you're going to live your day yeah you know yeah 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 i know i think
1: it was i don't know how anyone like pierce
0: called it. school the murder machine, y- really? pierce. <laughs> murder machine. <laughs>
1: you know like, i know <laughs> i know yeah yeah it's um it's uh it's just so fascinating to me I'm fascinated with anyone that um that, that has has been homeschooled or be or, or the homeschooler in particular because yeah I, I I have these flights of fancy and I think no no that's not gonna be me um what were were you you were talking there you found the the girl boy thing really interesting in in um their kind of interests and everything as well did you did you enjoy dressing them Did you enjoy that kind of aspect of them being young and while you... Did you find that that was something that you could do together that they enjoyed themselves and you could be creative with? Um, Or was it just function?
0: Oh, no. Clothes were always huge. Yeah. Yeah. But then... When you are at home, you can be much more relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, they could go around in tracksuit bottoms or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, until we were going out somewhere. You know?
1: And So do you think you've passed that love of kind of style and kind of playfulness with your clothing onto your children?
0: Um, I'm not sure they think that. They probably think <laughs> the other way around.
1: <laughs> well, I think we do, though. We we, we influence both ways, oh, don't totally. we? totally, yeah. yeah, totally. Um, and I think that that's... I, I kind of love... Um, You know, we think we're in certain roles for a while and then we realise, oh, hang on, this is all pushing back this way and I'm the one kind of learning and I'm the influence and getting enjoyment from that as well. Is there any um, piece of clothing that makes you think about love in any form, any type of love?
0: Uh, When uh, Juppie and Luke were so young still, like they must have been very young teenagers, but we'd gone down to the square in Talla. We, we, it was kind of our playground you Yes, know. Yeah. we got really bored to say okay <laughs> let's go to the square and uh, they went down, they sort of said you sit there mum and they disappeared for about 20 minutes and came back with this Quinn and Donnelly coat that they'd seen in a sale that I had looked at um, in sort of silver thread it was the most beautiful thing and fitted like a glove
1: and they had gone off to surprise you? Yeah. Oh my God, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard of. That is it's, absolutely gorgeous. It was gorgeous. amazing. And
0: I, I remember sitting in Beaulieu's with the coach and just thinking, I'm going to remember this forever. Forever, like a, forever. Yeah.
1: You could almost burst, I'm sure. <laughs> like, And they yeah, would have been so thrilled with themselves, I imagine. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, that's so lovely that they had gone and done that and just sat you down. I was thinking they were gonna come back showing you runner boots that they wanted or something like yeah. that, you know? Um and Quinna Donnelly, so beautifully made oh, I'm sure as stuff well. And lasts so, lasts gorgeous. For so long. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous. Oh that's such a beautiful one. <laughs> is there um is there a time that you because I was thinking about this in relation to kind of your your feminism and activism, but it mightn't be that at all. But is there a time that you've ever kind of Put on a piece of clothing that that shifted how you felt about yourself or helped you shift how you felt about yourself?
0: Um God, I think that happens every day in really? a way. Yeah. You know, if if you put on something and you think, oh, okay, it'll be grand, and then an hour later you feel like absolute shite. Yeah. And you know, you just have to go and change it. Yeah. You know, clothes and us are so plastic I think like, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. such a big effect yeah you know and I mean it doesn't have to be something you know really expensive or just something that yeah you no know, this is me I feel okay mm-hmm. I'm good in this it's mm-hmm. me mm.
1: I think that's so important and you know I have these conversations all the time with them um, if I'm doing styling work let's say closet edits with people yeah and uh, and and you know people are saying but but you're getting rid of so much and I'm going to have so little now and, and you know we might be donating it or selling it or upcycling it or doing something and I'm saying but you know you, sh- you shouldn't have anything in your wardrobe that uh, it'll do you know because if that's how you're starting off your day by putting that on you're yeah. that feeling like I hope no one sees me in this you know that you're putting yourself <laughs> at such a disadvantage Yeah. Um, and I, I have this really I mean, I'm sure I've said it loads of times on here, but you know, this idea that your clothes are talking to you all the time. So when you open your wardrobe, it can be so many different things that they're saying to you. And it can be, you spent too much on me, you put on too much weight, <laughs> da, 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 da. you know, so I don't want any, any people bringing you down, any clothing bringing you down, you know? And I think I, I, I love that idea that, you know, you just think to yourself, no, it's, I, this is off. Let me get my clothes changed. Yeah. And, and I just feel different. It, does, it can, it can shift your perspective and it can really shift kind of um, your outlook as well.
0: Totally, yeah.
1: When you were, um, uh, I, I just wanted to take you kind of. I, I guess we're talking about maybe in um, the uh, early seventies when you became when you joined the Irish Women's Liberation Movement. I, am I right in saying that that actually was in existence for only nine months? Yeah. Yeah. What year was that?
0: Nineteen seventy-two.
1: Okay. and yeah. How was it that you came about? Um, to be part of it. Because I, I know, I, I believe you were working as a journalist at that time and I think that it was made up of lots of different journalists. And am I right in saying so many were writing for the, I'm, I'm smiling because it was the women's pages, like you could only yeah. have so many pages on a, on a publication for women. Um, but perhaps you could tell us a little bit about, about the women's pages, about what you were working on at, at that time and how you came to meet the other women
0: involved. Well, I was uh, working as Mary Kenny's assistant oh, in yeah. the new women's page in the Irish press. Okay. Which uh, the editor thought was going to be a nice, calm women's page. And <laughs> Mary <laughs> Kenny arrived in in green satin hot pants, oh, smoking I... a pipe out to here. <laughs> Amazing. Ha- a hat with a feather out to here. Um, and she, like, it's sad because she did create the most radical questioning feminist page you know it's sad she's gone so far to the right now mm-hmm. but um, so I was working for Mary and Mary Mar, who sadly just died mm, yeah. um, she was women's editor in the Irish Times and Mary McCutcheon was in the Independent and like, as Mary Kenny said, we went out and made the news and then we came back and wrote about it.
1: Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> um, amazing.
0: <laughs> so there were a lot of... And then Nell McCafferty, you know, she was mm-hmm. um, in the Irish Times. So a lot of it was centred around journalists. Um, and then in the 70s, so many people were out protesting... Um, I was looking at a little. I don't know if you've watched any of those programs on RTE. The way we were.
1: Yes, I've seen. I've seen some of yeah, some bits of them. Yes, they're yeah, they're beautifully yeah, yeah, done. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but they, you know, they were saying before um all the technology came in, like everyone was out in the streets all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you were out at the cinema or you were out at a dance or and you look at the streets and they're just. 10 deep on the mm-hmm. pavements, yeah, you know, yeah. people bustling off to something. So there was, in the 70s, there was a huge amount of political activity. You know, people were marching against the war in Vietnam for civil rights, um, for the North, you know, so there was a lot going on. So the women's movement kind of grew organically out of that. Yeah. Um. Out of, out of that sense of, yeah, we can do stuff, we can get into the streets and we can change, you know, the, there was that feeling that you could change stuff.
1: Like people were owning their power a little bit or kind of... um
0: yeah,
1: or it, like, it was, it, was it that they were seeing that they could change and, and then thinking, well, hang on a second, so much needs to be changed here?
0: Well, like Maureen de Berca, who was really the person who founded the women's movement mm. in Ireland, she, she was in jail because she just... Fucked eggs at Nixon's car. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, imagine if that happened. Now, you'd be dead oh on the pavement. Oh, God, yeah. You know, she'd put on glasses and a headscarf, so she'd be in disguise, <laughs> as she thought, because the car they said, Maureen, <laughs> get in here. Oh, that's so funny. But How when Maureen, she? Yeah. when she was in jail for, I think... Uh, five months. She said it was actually a horrific mm. experience. Like it was very lonely and harsh. And... God, I can imagine. But when she was in there, she thought, we're out fighting for everyone else. We should be fighting for ourselves mm. as women. Yeah. And the women's movement, of course, the, in America was really gathering pace. So it it was in the air. Mm-hmm.
1: So do you, was there... Um... Was it that a lot of people had maybe or or not a lot but but that some people had traveled um to the states or to England and were kind of getting some uh, sense of uh, the possibilities
0: yeah actually, yeah in london there was and in England there was such a strong women's movement they were amazing, mm-hmm. so people um going backwards and forwards there, and then um Mary Marr went over went back home and came back. With the books, you know, sort of Betty Friedan and mm-hmm. it's so, you know, you couldn't go um, on Amazon and order a book then, yeah. you know, physically she had gone into a bookshop, bought the books and brought them physically back here. Yeah, they know. wouldn't have been available here. No, no, no.
1: Gosh, it's so, um, you know, you just, I'm just saying that really, you know, <laughs> by the by, but eh? when you think about it, there wouldn't be things that could really open your mind Um and, and really were limited to, to what you could access. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, and tell me a bit about Chains or Change.
0: That was um, Mary Maher's brainchild, really. Like, everyone worked on it, mm-hmm. um, but it was really Mary Maher felt women's situation, just as women, had never been looked at since the foundation of the state, mm-hmm. so it should be looked at. Um, so we looked at education, Marriage, civil rights, um, contraception. Um Marie McMahon who printed it out like it was on a just Etna machine. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> Marie um just sat up in guys weeping when she saw it all put together like it was so bad. And so when you saw it all together yeah. and in
1: black and literally in black and white.
0: You know, look. Like every everything was um, driving women towards marriage. You know, because yeah. you, you didn't, you weren't encouraged to have a career, or you, you were actually barred once you got married. Um, and then once you were married, your legal status was as a chattel, which is like a tractor, oh. or a car. That's, that was your legal status as a wife.
1: As accessory to the husband?
0: Yeah, as a piece of his equipment. You're on the same level. Wow. So the husband could go to England, leave his wife and children, sell the family home, get full custody of the children and divorce her, all legally, all without her even knowing about it. That was the legal framework. Because
1: the laws were so different here and in the UK? That
0: was partly because, yeah, um, we didn't... We are... Useless lot here wouldn't recognise divorce. Um, so um, England wouldn't recognise desertion here. But it meant women were, like, they were absolutely screwed and there was no deserted wives allowance or, you know.
1: And was there a sense of um, fear or... Um Kind of a sense of of being trapped. Do you think, or do you think that women weren't necessarily having the conversations, or their minds hadn't been opened to an alternative anyway?
0: Um, I think it was a mixture. Like one of the things I remember doing with Mary Kenny in the Irish Press was looking at um, the Valium uh, epidemic, because all the women were on Valium here, yeah, really, to try and cope with their situation. You know that they were locked up. Mm. You know that they'd no no possibility of expressing of getting their own money, you know, like money is freedom, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, because
1: they um obviously they had they kind of had no rights once they once they got married because their career had to end, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that just still kind of blows my mind, you know, um like on in terms of people knowing when we um we launched chains or change on the late late show mm-hmm. and it was all supposed to be terribly um sophisticated and beautifully argued and it ended up an absolute scream fest
1: so i believe i really want i have i've looked for footage and i haven't been able to see footage of it. but i i've read about RTE this before RTE wiped
0: it you're joking yeah, you cannot get it
1: okay well i'm going to ask you to just yeah. kind of tell us a little bit about it but before you do i just want to yeah. make sure that the that the listeners know exactly what change or change is so it was not a manifesto no no it was actually so 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 tell me who was involved and what the actual document was
0: um the document was looking at how women what women's situation was in 1970s and ireland and demanding change um we had six demands, yes, you know, like equal rights and education, yeah. equal the end of the marriage bar, free contraception, um housing one family, one house, mm-hmm. which sounds so lovely now <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no it it wasn't really a manifesto, it yeah. was more a look, yeah, and it was the first time that women's situation just as women had been looked at.
1: And was there an appetite for um for women on the street to get their hands on this and to read it and and what was the general reaction?
0: After the late late show like it sold out completely the next day and it just kept selling out as quickly as we could print it.
1: Okay, well then you better tell us about the late late show. <laughs> were you surprised that you were were you invited or did you ask to be to go on the late late show?
0: Um Mary Kenny met pam who was one of the researchers on the late late and uh, mary said we'd be great we'd be brilliant have us on and uh, she came to one of our um, sessions in guy's restaurant and um, she said okay they're all completely mad to make great telly (laughs) because
1: the sessions in guy's restaurant was where you would all get together and discuss these things and and make plans yeah
0: yeah weekly monday every monday
1: I'd say there was serious energy <laughs> and power in that room oh gosh I'd love to have been there um can I I don't know if you know the timelines but before you tell us about what happened that night on the late late was this um because I know there's that famous footage of gay burn with the condom was it after that
0: um no I think it was before it Was before that okay. yeah. maybe
1: you led the way for the condom yeah I think we okay. liberated him <laughs> yeah, a bit <laughs> exactly exactly so tell us yeah let us know what happened on that evening
0: well it was supposed to be um very calm all arguments very well put forward. This
1: is what you had all agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, so you uh, didn't come across hysterical I suppose. wasn't Exactly the, yes, okay. yeah it yeah. was
0: to be a sophisticated yeah. well-argued evening <laughs> Um Lelia Doolan was on the panel Um Nell was on the panel I can't remember who else was and uh then Mary Kenny wasn't allowed on the panel because everyone knew Mary would go over the top. Okay. So Mary's listening to all this <laughs> backwards and forwards and she's getting very fed up. So she stands up, on hands on hips and in said... In the audience. In the audience. Right. And she said um, th- something along the lines of there isn't a single politician who do anything to forward women's rights in Ireland and um Garrett Fitzgerald who was sitting by his fireside um jumped in his car and drove to RT studios and was immediately ushered in to the studio sitting up you know pride of place
1: that is the most extraordinary happening
0: um you know, and like every, we were all a bit gobsmacked. But you know, he was Garrett Fitzgerald. He had this big booming man voice. You know, it was such early days. Yeah. We didn't sort of say, "No, come on, this is ridiculous," but um, every the whole thing went bananas, and it was actually brilliant. I think because if we had kept going with the beautifully softy, reasoned softy. arguments, um, it would have stayed very academic. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas when it got into a really good brawl, yeah, um, I think women all over the country began to sit up and say, whoa, there's something really happening Well, passion happening here. is infectious. Yeah.
1: And if they could see themselves in one of you, <laughs> you know, that I think... Um that you would ignite something in them you know so you know I can see the reason for thinking now guys (laughs) let's just keep it softly softly but I mean I think I would have been so enraged the fact that Gareth Fitzgerald could just show up at the studio and be brought out onto live stage I mean I mean it's just ludicrous isn't it ludicrous when you think about it like nothing like that would happen now and surely if one of you had shown up when he was there being interviewed I don't think Can you imagine he (laughs) would have been ushered out did you um did you did you all consider what you would wear that evening?
0: Um yes, we must have done, though I can't remember that discussion. Um people were mainly worried about Mary, you know, to <laughs> to kinda keep her tamp down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because <laughs> was there times where you thought, I want to wear this, but is that going to help me or hinder me in the message? That's what I'm saying. Were people could people easily um distract from what you were saying by kind of mocking or or um reducing what who you were to what you were wearing
0: we were all in jeans anyway Mm -hmm. you know like we were all it was very dressed down anyway you know so that that didn't really come into it yeah like with um some of the older sisters like um june levine like, June would come in looking absolutely amazing. You know, hair done, makeup, heels this high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we, all, we were all kind of in awe of her because <laughs> she also was divorced and, like, that was another badge on her. Yeah. But uh, mainly it was just, you know, we were all in our 20s. We were yeah. wearing jeans, you know. Yeah, yeah. Nell was just down from the barricades in Derry. Yes. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's interesting then that you're saying that as well being in awe of someone um and the fact that she was divorced as well because there is that thing isn't there sometimes you know you do look twice at someone when you think their style and and that their style has a narrative then even if she didn't realize that but for you guys but that was kind of um uh did it um almost signify some independence
0: oh totally yeah yeah Yeah. oh Oh, june was super aware of it
1: Yeah. yeah um when uh, the other thing that happened around that time was the contraceptive train which is when um a number of your sisters went up north um yeah. well you can tell us what the, the, the thinking behind the whole day
0: well again it was mary mar and nell McCafferty's brainchild mm-hmm. and it was to try and push forward the contraceptive debate which was completely stuck and um, so the idea was um take the train up to belfast buy the pill, come back and take it in front of the customs officers in Connolly Station and um, sort of challenge them to arrest us.
1: Because that, by law, that's what they should have done, is arrest yeah.
0: you, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I actually was bold. I stayed in bed because I had a very nice lover. Oh. <laughs> amazing, amazing. <laughs> Who was English and had contraceptives oh well listen
1: you were doing your bit for the cause then weren't you I love it (laughs) well they all went up and worth okay
0: Um, they arrived into the chemist in Belfast and the guy said where's your prescription it was on prescription in the north Mm -hmm. you could get it but you had to have a prescription so they were um, and then Nell had a very clever idea we buy loads of aspirin because who's going to know the difference Yeah. you know Nobody. Because you didn't
1: have the prescription. No, or they didn't have the prescription. N- n- yeah. Nobody had yeah. yeah. realised that was yeah. 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 an yeah. issue,
0: and then people bought um, spermicidal jelly and the cap and mm. you know anything they could lay their hands on, mm. and uh, and then uh, came back and um, like some people were really really nervous. Um, Marie McMahon was really nervous because. Um, She's from a working class background. She was terrified her mum would see it and, you know, be horrified at her daughter doing this. Um,
1: But it was on the news.
0: It was, yeah. Yeah. She sent her sister up with three kids to distract the mum when the news was on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there was no catch-up player or anything? No, no. (laughs) Everybody quiet, the Uh, news was on. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. And when they got back, um, they weren't arrested.
0: No, no. Because they had support. I was there um, for the coming back. Mm -hmm. Maureen de Berca had um, organised a welcome home um, party. So there were about 40 of us, I think, standing, screaming, let them through. And... um, Mary Mar had made sure it was on World Media Day, mm. so oh, there were wow. lots of cameras. So. Yeah, there were. So, I
1: I saw the footage of um, when they get to the gate. That's yeah, that I saw. I was so emotional watching that. Yeah,
0: like, it took me
1: by surprise, you know, because I think you know, there's so much that. It's not that I take for granted. I know what what our history is, and I know it's very recent. But it's just um, to see all these women, how passionate they are, and and I think as well, I was thinking, you know, sometimes I hear people say people that are to me such. Feminists, they're such empowerers of women and, and um, supporters of their sisters. And, but I might hear them say, well, I'm not a women's liber," you know, and they're still to this day saying it as if that's, um, uh, it's just something that you wouldn't want to be. And, and, and I feel like, gosh, why is there such a kind of detachment? Because actually these women were fighting for something that you have benefited from, you know? Why do you think there was that kind of, um, um, detachment is the wrong word, but division,
0: um I think the patriarchy is still incredibly powerful and by the patriarchy I mean a system which allows very alpha males at the top to cream off everything mm-hmm. they keep men disempowered down below mm-hmm. but it's hugely um about controlling women um and it's like Women make a little push forward, and then there's a huge push back. Mm. You know, like we had Repeal, which was such an incredible vote. Mm. Like, people felt so good. Mm. And now we've got the National Maternity Hospital mm. being handed to the nuns. Mm. You know, so it's like forward and then push back.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. So
0: I I think it's... Um, you know, sometimes think, oh yeah, we've got everything now. No, no, no. No. You know, look at Roe versus Wade being about to oh. collapse in America. Absolutely you know, like shocking. It's
1: Quite unbelievable. I mean, for yeah. me, it is unbelievable. Every yeah. time I read it, I think this. I cannot <laughs> believe it. You know, and and um, and uh, and I suppose sometimes yeah, I think horrific. as well, it's it's. Uh, it's a good distraction tactic to kind of pit women against each other and say they're that type of woman and you're this type of woman. Absolutely. Of, you know, yeah. Kind of good just, point. Yeah. They're always you know, like that. talking about the kind of, um, the sisterhood as well, you know, mm-hmm. is there anything that during that time or during any time actually in your life that, um, that you, you wish you never wore for whatever reason, is it that you were made to wear it or you chose to, but you regretted it? Is there anything that kind of stands out in your head? Um, Besides the uniform, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's a given, right?
0: <laughs> there was a horrible time, sort of, just um, coming up to leaving school and before getting one's own power, um, where you're sort of made to wear pastel dresses. Oh, yeah. You know, and go to dinner dances. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they still. Yeah evoke horror yeah. and
1: even at the time you were thinking this just isn't me I don't want to be in this it was just Hating the dumb it. thing yeah. really yeah. Really? that's so interesting yeah because they say um I love vintage fashion so I love looking at different eras and of course yeah. I mean you're reducing it to a few words on each era yeah. it's not a perfect representation but um you know, when they talk about, let's say, um, youthquake in the 60s and how, yeah. you, you know, teenagers really were um, kind of thinking for themselves and, and, and making waves and, and dressing in a different way that was for them. And the prior to that, girls and young women were dressing like copies of their moms.
0: Absolutely. You yeah. say that that's true. Yeah. 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 And you were given a dress. Yeah. You know, you couldn't go out and say, Whoa, I really like that. Yeah. You know, this is what you're going to wear.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just to just a way I suppose to keep you in a in the roles as well. I suppose that yeah, spoken about yeah. earlier. You have written um, a number of books, um, and um, was your was your first book Father Comes First or was that
0: um, On Our Knees was, was my first, first one? Okay,
1: yeah. were they around the same time though? They seemed um, early seventies. Early seventies. Okay, yeah. so On Our Knees, then Father Comes First, yeah. and then On, on Our, our backs. backs. Right. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to just kind of set your mind back to each of um, those times because I haven't written a book. I hope one day that I will. (laughs) Um, You will, of course. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks (laughs) Thanks for the viewers. Um, And I think that if I was in the middle of writing a book, it would be such a huge undertaking of the body, mind and soul um, that I would be able to recall very much who I was at that time, even though I'm sure that it was such a blur and such hard work. But I wanted to just ask, let's say even on those three books that we're talking about, can you remember kind of who you were? Like, when you look back, is there a picture of who you were and kind of the clothes you were wearing at that time in in each, all three of those instances?
0: Um, Each of them was actually totally distinctive. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, on our knees... um, I wrote it in... in, I was still living with mum. Mm -hmm. Um, She and I were in the house and she was sort of at the top of the house and I was at the bottom. Mm. You were very Um,
1: young writing that book, right?
0: I was 20, I think. 20, yeah. Yeah. To
1: me, that seems really young. Oh, (laughs) God, it seems young to me as well.
0: (laughs) But, uh, you know, and I'd hammer away on a little portable Olivetti all day and then I'd run up to mum and uh, she would go through it. Oh, really? Um. And then uh, with Fathers Come First, I was in Africa, in Tanzania. So I was sitting um, very early in the morning, sort of with as little on as you could bear because it was so hot. Um, Again, with the same Olivetti. But I was writing about a convent in Ireland sitting in Africa. So that was funny.
1: Yeah. And, And do you think that that actually helped that you weren't in Ireland when you were writing that, the actual physical um, removal of yourself from the country, was it? Was there anything that kind of aided your uh, being able to use your mind's eye more?
0: It wasn't a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. It was it was only after that I thought, God, that was so weird. Like there I was and virtually on the equator yeah. and I'm thundering away. And what about brought you to Tanzania? Um my ex husband worked um he was a development economist, Champion okay. League's dad. Okay. So um he got a two year contract in Tanzania.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, so for that book, you'd very little on. <laughs> That's what the memory is. That's so funny though, because I could, I, I, you know, even when you're talking about it, I'm thinking of kind of the heat and I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, could you get your carry on luggage? Could you get your Olivetti um, typewriter on? I don't know, Ryanair, you'd be paying a little extra for the weight, wouldn't you? Um and then. On our knees, you remember that time just being in your house a lot, so just being in cozy clothing, was it? Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, tons of clothing. Yeah, yes. Yeah, because yeah, so. I was sort of down in the basement.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I love that. I love how we can picture ourselves sometimes. You know, it's like yeah. if looked at. And then um, on our backs.
0: Um, on our backs was written in Connemara. Oh. Um, with, uh, I was living with Aidan Higgins at the time, a writer. Yeah. So he'd be thundering away in a. Room up there, and I'd be—I was down here, and um, again, quite a lot of clothes, yeah, because it was a stone cottage in Connemara, beautiful cottage. I like the
1: extremities that
0: you—you're <laughs>
1: yeah. you're, you're putting yourself in for your um, for your writing. Uh, had you purposely gone to Connemara to write that
0: book? Um, no. Uh, no, I hadn't. I I ju- um, met uh, the publisher at a party and um, was talking about it. It's about sexual mm, attitudes. Yeah. And uh, I remember Aidan just saying to the publisher, "Oh, I think she could beat a, a bit of dust out of that old carpet yet." <laughs> so um, that uh, I did the interviews in Dublin, but um, I was writing down there again. It's sort of funny looking back. But it was good to be isolated, mm. to do it. Yeah, you know, because doing a book, you sort of, like at the beginning, you can mess around, but you have to. Eventually, you get to a stage where you're eating, sleeping, drinking the book, like yeah. nothing else matters.
1: Would you think that that's um that's what makes it probably. Well, not necessarily makes it more difficult, but something that people have to be conscious about if they're writing these days as well, because um the the pinging and the social media and the everything that we're connected to as well, it must be very distracting. Um, and and if you just let one opinion filter in, sometimes that I imagine can throw you off course.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, you have to turn off everything.
1: What is your writing practice like now?
0: Um. The only writing practice I know is write. Yeah. Know, like, yeah, but you are get, writing
1: still all the time.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I, I published um, Feminism Backwards yes. yeah, 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 the year yeah. before last. Yeah. Amazing. And um, now I'm doing, with Jupe, a children's book Gorgeous. about um, women who've really made a difference. Like, I want to call it the Screaming Sisterhood, but it's probably a bit much for <laughs> little people. The Squeaking Sisterhood. <laughs> that's,
1: that's, you can have it, you can have it. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely gorgeous. So um, oh, that's when when will that come out? We'll um, hear all about it. Actually. We
0: haven't, we haven't um, got to a publisher yet, yeah, yeah. but just putting that together. That's fabulous. Yeah, it's really interesting writing for children because he, he sort of start off with reams and reams of yeah. words and then you just have to... Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I'll be know. fascinated to read that. How lovely that you're it's doing it It's a good together discipline. Well. And yeah. then, because um, feminism backwards as well, it's it's um, it's fascinating because you were documenting feminism in Ireland but also telling your own story. Um, mm. So that, I imagine, was... Um, maybe I'm wrong, but was that a, a very different approach from any of the other ones?
0: Um doing a memoir and yourself
1: yeah because you had to do the physical writing and the research and then bury yourself
0: yeah yeah the dreams were pretty crazy you know that thing when you're really digging in yeah then at night your head is sort of downloading these crazy dreams because you
1: mentioned earlier about keeping a diary when you were younger so had you kept diaries that you were able to um read again or were you surprised by what your own mind could just recall
0: I think writing is sort of like gardening. You know, you go into the garden and pull at the earth and separate out the flowers and the weeds and everything starts to come back. Mm. You know, mm. it's there. It It's just, it it takes time to, and sort of going down into yourself, mm. I suppose, to, to let it come up.
1: Mm. And how long did that take you, the whole process of that book?
0: Um, it was about a year um writing and then there was I'd say six seven months editing and backwards and forwards Mm -hmm. you know um why did
1: you call it feminism backwards
0: um I felt I I was in my 20s when the women's movement here was founded Mm -hmm. so I was having a brilliant time I was in love I um adored my job you know everything was easy Mm -hmm. um so I really loved feminism, but I only really got it when I became a separated wife. And suddenly that thing of being on your own with two tiny children, then suddenly, Christ, yeah, I now I really understand feminism, mm. the nuts and bolts of it, you know.
1: That's so interesting, isn't it? So,
0: so I sort of understood it backwards. Yeah, because
1: all of the things that you were... Um, passionately campaigning for and working for and everything was um an idea more than a reality for you at that time is that would that be fair to say
0: yeah it it was kind of academic mm. yeah yeah like i felt passionately about it but of it, course yeah 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 like even say um the battle for contraception mm-hmm. like i felt yeah really passionately about that but you could get contraceptives if you knew a doctor in dublin mm-hmm you know, and all of us did know a doctor in Dublin and he'd give you a prescription, you know, to uh, regulate your period, that was the, um...
1: The spiel, I think that might still be the spiel for uh, people, I need to regulate my period, that's still going on. Um, We've chatted for ages now, but before I let you go, I just had two questions for you. What what would you say is the role of clothing in your life,
0: Rosita? Um, what is the role of clothing? I, I think, clothing is incredibly important um to how you feel um I I suppose also I've changed um in that I don't I a lot of clothing comes to me now mm-hmm. um I don't go into shops the way I used to yeah. and I suppose we've all become so aware of the wastage in clothing yeah. like it's wonderful what you're doing of vintage fashion and like, Charity shops are such Mm. fun to go into. So, yeah... If it's funny, but clothes kind of come now. Yeah, you know, a friend says, "Oh, I can't wear this anymore." You have, to have yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I suppose people come to know your taste and know that you enjoy it. Then, as yeah. well and that uh, I know I'm 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 so lucky because I've uh, been the benefactor of lots of people might say, my great aunt passed away and my mom has kept this for ages and she thought of you and said you could have it. They wanted to go somewhere, but they don't know where. To yeah, run, yeah, And They think you might enjoy it. I think I absolutely will. Thank you very much. Um, and finally. Is there any um, outfit that you've worn at any stage in your life that you would think kind of represents you and your personality best, even if you can see a snapshot of it in
0: your eye? Um, I remember going to, uh, awards do with tube Mm -hmm. and like, it was really glitzy. Um, and I was offered dress after dress after dress and, uh, I suddenly thought, no, I'm going to go in black jeans and a black jacket that I really, really like. Yeah. And uh, I remember the shock when I walked into this room of all the women were sort of <laughs> yeah. done up to the ninth. Joop was brilliant. She said, you wear what you like, yeah. Mum. But um, just feeling really okay, and this is really me. I wasn't in a great space at the time, yeah. and I didn't have that energy you know that you need to sort of yes. wear something really yeah. fancy i needed to be in quiet yeah me and it, um it felt it felt really good
1: to yeah, to represent yourself. Yeah. And, and had you been wearing big glitz and glamour that it, it would have been wearing you. It would yeah. have been a weight on you, really, when you're when you're not feeling able to I love that. That's such a different <laughs> answer to anything I've ever heard before. Oh um, good. Yeah, and I love the sentiment behind it. And I loved our chat. Thank you so much. I'm oh, delighted that we finally you. were able to have it. <laughs> Thanks, a Million, for coming in.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.